Hey everyone, it's Get Cynical, episode three of season three. We are on to uh, the next film by Max Landis. This is the second like film proper that we're talking about this season. And um, I was very much fucking dreading this one, so I decided to bring uh, my friend down with me. We brought back um, Leo uh, Dartharogenes uh, to help us help us talk about this movie. Leo, how are you doing? Thanks. I was just that was that was uncanny the the change of voice there. Spencer went from like talking to us before in a normal voice and then immediately goes like, "Hey everyone, we yeah, yeah. yeah, I slip I yeah, slip yeah, into yeah. fucking tw- I slip into Twitch streamer voice whenever I'm podcasting. Yeah. It's don't it's just, horrible, don't just, man. Don't just spring that on me, man. Yeah, when I when you've been doing this for like 2 years and it's like almost like a second job at this point, you just Get used to it. Yeah, that was like watching. That was what like watching Kevin Spacey start walking normally at the end of Usual Suspects. <laughs> <laughs> Probably more unsettling than that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, uh, we're talking about Max Landis again, and um, Leo. Probably should have asked you this before I asked you to come on. We were just looking for guests, and I like the uh, AVGN episode a lot, so I just decided to ask you again. Did you, like, even know who Max Landis was or is or had any, like, experience with his online presence? Yeah, I did. Uh, I remember I remember watching Chronicle way back where my friend... Is it called Chronicle? Am I... Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. So he wrote that one, right? That was the yes. one people actually like. Yes. yes. Kind of. I remember watching that ages ago. I must have been in high school. It was fine. And then uh, I remember he he complained about the Star Wars film. He did a whole like oh yeah, talking to his camera about uh, the Mary the Ray being a Mary Sue. Mm-hmm. I remember yeah. that, and I remember him being involved with um, was it Red Letter Media? They had him on. Yes. Once? Oh yes. That's yeah, they had him on a I bunch of seen, times. I hadn't seen any other Max Landis uh, joints, as as he would probably call them. Yeah, no. Were you familiar with when he was on, like, Twitter? You know, he was sort of a... I, I don't know. He was routinely on Twitter, like, kind of, like, stirring shit about, like, you know, vaguely feminist opinions, like, vaguely anti-Gamergate stuff before he got, like, Me Too'd. Were oh, you uh, awesome. ever... <laughs> were you uh, ever no, witnessed to that? No, I don't think I caught his Twitter twitter era although as i'm sure we're about to discuss this entire movie feels like a nice little i think people call it not a good look in retrospect uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> to no the, yeah me, to him getting uh me too yeah this is this is definitely a movie that someone who has been me too would make um but all right so we're talking about me him her i was dreading this one like this was the one that i think out of all of them i was like the most worried about having to watch so wait, um, sorry sorry to to bring this to a screeching halt but like what what stuff have you seen up to now uh we like did chronicle out? first we talked right. about his youtube videos uh death and return of superman and wrestling isn't wrestling those are like his like youtube short films yeah we technically recorded um uh, an episode on american ultra but it isn't out yet and uh we're going through we're doing like victor frankenstein soon we're doing bright (laughs) after that so yeah we're it's all it's like all downhill from here basically but uh yeah we've only done a few of them this is like our third episode but um i was this is the one like out of like when esther and i were planning out the season this is the one i was like the most afraid of like i was like oh god this is going to be horrible (laughs) and i I it wasn't good. It it wasn't as like dire as I thought it was. There were some things that it genuinely crosses the line into being like maybe not so bad it's good, but like so inept it's almost kind of charming. But I I want to say that before before we watched it, Esther and I had to push the episode back because we couldn't find it anywhere. Yeah. It was like buried. Yeah. Like we <laughs> most of the time if we like sometimes stuff isn't on streaming or it's not like available on you know uh, illegal downloads it's very easy to find like we just have to pay for it on amazon prime uh, yeah. this film is not on amazon prime even it's not on itunes there's no torrents no active torrents of it no one is seeding me him her it's not yeah. you yep. can't even buy the dvd of it you have to get like a german dvd <laughs> 
Yeah, no, I was worried that this was just going to be like a lost film, like straight up like this. Like this is just a one of those movies that's just vanished into thin air. Like like that movie, The Blue is the Warmest Color Guy did about ass. Yeah. Like it's just it's just gone forever. But mm. we found we found it on one of those websites that's like uh, like malware malware illegal or something <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like one of the, one, two, three movies, which is uh, the poor man's put locker. Yeah. And it's the kind we, of site I couldn't, I could not access unless I turned my VPN on. My computer. Was like, <laughs> you do not want to go to hacker fake slash movies. Not to brag or anything, but I, I, I looked that up instantly. That was my first choice. I knew about <laughs> yeah. one, two, three movies. Dot and yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it's doubly unavailable, right? It's like a, a sort of amateurish sort of movie no one saw made by a guy who uh, is living in a like bunker in the desert now. It's not like. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not like his, um, you know, his other movies had stars in them, right? Like American Ultra and Victor Frankenstein had like actual stars in them. So there's probably some contract stuff that's like, yeah, you have to like make a DVD and like keep this on streaming. Yeah. This movie has no one of note in it, really. So it's very the easy. Biggest I think... name is, the biggest name is maybe from Arrested Development. Yeah. Like, that's Ali like Ishaan. the yeah. most recognizable yeah. face. Yeah. But in, like, oh, and Chris yeah. Hardwick. I want to point out Chris Hardwick was in this movie. <laughs> Chris Hardwick, yeah. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, we're... It's literally like the full lineup of guys who have been Me too yeah. It's yeah, fucking yeah, awesome. It's nice. <laughs> yeah. It's a really awesome cast. But uh, yeah, no, me, him, her... Um, it is cool. So, There's like a B list to to me too people. I mean, like, yeah. I, guess, I guess it's just like the subset of B list celebrities. But it's nice that you've got the you've got the I guess Cosby's and CKs, and then you you go all the way down to Landis, Hardwick, and like where does it? Wh- where's the bottom of that? Who's a Z list? Z list me too. It's just Twitter users that like that that Spencer knows. Yeah, it's like yeah. the it's like community theater <laughs> actors or something, or people yeah. who are on like a single episode of CSI Miami. That's like the Z list of Me Too guys. But the thing but, is, you need you need a certain level of acclaim to be Me Too. So it kind of yeah. maybe there's some kind of weird dynamic here. Like extra, you you're not going to Me Too an extra. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, no. Um, but this uh, so Max Landis, like you know. Up until now, we've only watched, like, superhero or comic book adjacent stuff from him. And this is him, like, putting his heart on his sleeve and trying to make a romantic comedy. And that, like, that... Also, I had to watch the trailer for when I made the teaser for this season. And I was, like, horrified. But (laughs) this is, like... There's some, like, kind of, like, weird charm to this, like, sociopath trying to, like, make, like, a very earnestly pro-gay rights... um, (laughs) pro gay rights rom-com it was very it was a very disorienting experience and we'll go through like the plot point by point but i i I wasn't better than i expected i don't think but it was a lot more like interesting than i thought it was going to be it it was a very it was a very weird experience but uh leo what (laughs) we have made you watch some truly heinous shit for this uh for these two podcasts so what was your take on me him her going in yeah i can only i can only sort of imagine that my continued um willingness to appear on this is due to some kind of stockholm syndrome situation (laughs) yeah well maybe it's just you like set my expectations really low i mean the cleveland show series of the cleveland show to avgn to this it is a nice little ramping down of uh commitment (laughs) and like mental energy and a lot of things i suppose I, yeah. I don't know. I appreciated that. I think I share your opinion on it. I think you know. I appreciated that he was at least trying to do the kind of comedy director Edgar Wright thing at moments, where at least yeah. he's he's trying to deliver jokes through more stuff than just dialogue. I could, I could, I could get with with that. I appreciate that. Like, there's one convincing lead performance. I guess I think the I forgot her name, but the the gold star, no longer lesbian um, character, Emily Mead. Yeah, she's she played a, it pretty good. The other two, uh, not so much, I suppose. Yeah, Emily Mead has since been in, um, uh, I think, Boardwalk Empire, The Deuce, oh. uh, The Leftovers. Ooh. Oh shit! So yeah, she's The Leftovers is really you know, good. <laughs> yeah, not not a not a terrible um, not a terrible career, but uh, yeah, this is not her. This is not her. Uh, be- I mean, she's probably out of the main group, one of the better actors here, but it's still. Um, it's well, still that a and very Chris Hardwick. Yeah, that and Chris Hardwick and Haley Joel Osment too. What a yeah, what a great cameo it. role. Yeah. But um, 
Yeah, no. Uh, okay, so me, him, her, uh, the premise of this movie, there's a truly outrageous idea, which is that it is about a woman pretending to be bisexual. <laughs> is a completely unheard of idea. It's crazy. It's, I mean, I find it really unrealistic. <laughs> yeah, no, I could not suspend yeah. my disbelief to that. But no, it's, um, it's, uh, the, the plot, the description of it on a letterbox, like the log line, does it no favors. I think it's described as, uh, three very different people in their 20s try to figure out love, sex, identity, and friendship in Los mm -hmm. Angeles. <laughs> Which yep. is, a as described, sounds like yeah. the worst movie ever I mean, made. It just, it, like that, that, that describes like 100 movies that come out every year. Yeah, no, it, it, it's, it, that was a very worrying logline. But the actual uh, plot of the movie is it's about a um, sort of like a Hollywood up-and-comer, like an A-lister almost, who is afraid to come out as gay. So he brings his kind of shithead straight friend from Florida up for emotional support. Meanwhile, the uh, guy from Florida, what is it, uh, hooks up with a girl who thinks she's a lesbian, and they sort of have their own, like, romantic entanglement, and that's ba that's basically the story in a nutshell. So it is not quite as bad as what it sounds like, although I will say, like, my jaw kind of hit the floor in the first couple minutes of the uh, of the movie when they had, like... I don't know, some, like, hyperactive, like, titles and editing or something. Like, uh, they they have the phone conversation, and they have, like, I don't know, like, a little description and sound effect under introducing every single character, and that prepared me for the worst. Mm. There's a lot of, like, weird sort of dynamic subtitling at points. That yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's a very strange, like, tick that this movie has, where sometimes, like, text will appear on screen in a way that's, like, it makes... I don't know. It's a weird. It's almost like a kind of mid mid twenty tens like Tumblr kind of humor. I think, like when they're at yeah. the ocean and text appears on screen. That's like it's the ocean, yay, or something. It's very like really <laughs> yeah. strange uh, detail um, that I, I I don't really understand why he did this, that. But we should say by the way, this is the only this is his only directorial credit. He wrote and directed this film. Mm, yeah, he also did, did. What was the other film he did this year? I saw that he. Oh, he was did, American he did Ultra four films this year. We should also oh say God. this is this is the first of his um, 2015 quadrilogy. Um. Yeah, no, this is this, this golden age for, for work ethic, I guess. Well, I, maybe this is an optimistic thing to say, but I feel like this this feels like it came out at the ta like the very tail end of when you could get a straight guy to play a gay like gay guy like that. Yeah, yeah, like it's. <laughs> If you're gonna play, if you're gonna have a thing like that, you have to get like Tom Hanks to do it. Now you can't just have like an <laughs> unknown play a gay like a gay guy like that. Yeah, yeah, no. And I gotta say also, like with the exception of the one like uh like butch lesbian that uh the main girl hangs out with, um, these are all some of like the straightest looking actors <laughs> in yeah, my yeah, life. Me, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not like. Like Emily Mead just kind of wears flannel, and that's about yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> She's just got like, just like she just dresses like like a, a girl you would just be friends with in college, and then she's just got like flannel draped over it. And um, Dustin Mulligan, the um, the or no, not him, Luke Bracy as Brendan Ehrlich looks very, very, very straight. And most of the other, if anything. Dustin Mulligan, the straight friend, looks the gayest because he's dressed like he's like a lot of his outfits. He looks like he should be posted up outside of a YMCA with like the fucking tank tops and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Most convincing gay performance was uh, Haley Joel Osment, and I'm not sure that was even <laughs> intended. Very strange, the Haley Joel Osment cameo. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what they were going for there. Like they had him show up as himself, and then they had him be like, like a hyperactive like. How do I even describe the archetype? Like, he's just like, yeah, what's up, broski? You know, I'm just chilling. I'm the yeah. best or whatever. He, he's, he's... he falls into this cat that category that you see, I feel like not infrequently, of, like, stars playing themselves in a way that's, like, where they Hype. they get to play themselves as, like, a shitty person, but in a way that's yeah. so heightened that it, like... Yeah, that's what I thought. It doesn't... Yeah, that's what I wanted to say. It makes them okay like, yeah. with it. Like, he is... He's introduced screaming at his cat in a way that's really, like, freakish and, 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 and wacky. Um, but it's bizarre because Haley Joel Osment is like, I get that that's the joke, but also he, like, everything he's done post Home Alone and the way that he looks is like, he just looks like a stoner. Like, he does not look like a guy yeah. who is constantly yelling and screaming and being a weird Hollywood egotist. 
It's yeah, just a stoner it's... with kind of like a baby face. Oh, I think that on, is go. it. Is like there's a lot of you. You do get a lot of that. You get like the I don't know Char- Charlie Sheen in in uh, being John Malkovich type stuff. And yeah. I guess Landis was attempting that, but in order to do that, you you have to have some like concept of what that person's like media presence is like. It has to be either like a heightening of their presence or like an like reversing it. Like I guess Neil Patrick Harris in those uh, Harold and Kumar films would be the opposite of like the inversion of what you think of them. I think in that he plays like a straight guy pretending to be gay. Yeah. Uh, so Haley Joel Osment is like. <laughs> people aren't pointing at the screen and being like ah classic Haley Joel <laughs> <laughs> yeah no they call him like H. Joe in the movie which I, I hmm I, I, it feels like they like we should be like in like the, the, it, the writing of the movie feels like we should know know that nickname already but mm. um no H- Haley Joel Osment yeah there's uh you're right there's no like thing we associate him with besides like being a child star basically like we, we don't really think of him as like he didn't even like burn out like crazy like you know um like coley mccully mcculkin or coley mcculley culkin yeah. god damn i hate that <laughs> dude's name so, is pretty nice though <laughs> yeah i hate that dude's name um or like uh you know like jake lloyd or something he just kind of like grew up grew like a really huge fucking like midwestern guy beard and then just like kind of settled into the background so it is very strange that they just kind of like drop him in drop him in as himself but no uh so the movie does not begin uh well it begins uh you know with that like kind of scott pilgrimy like visual comedy but instead of you know like you know in scott pilgrim that movie sucks but it makes sense while the why they have that stuff on like you know the like all the dialogue popping up because it's a movie based on a comic book and they usually do it pretty purposefully like they'll have someone playing guitar and then they'll have like sound waves coming off of it where at some point like um uh i think uh the main character Corey isaacson calls gabby the the love interest girl like a lesbian yoda and just lesbian yoda <laughs> yeah. in the star wars font pops up on screen <laughs> He doesn't even really enunciate and it comes up like he, <laughs> you'd think, I don't know, like it would be sort of emphatic in a way that it has to kind of pair with someone saying the phrase clearly. But he goes like, oh, yeah, lesbian, <laughs> and then like, and then lesbian Yoda. And yeah, and like the it almost, text cruel. Font it almost prefigures up. like what fan cams are right now, because <laughs> fan cams will do that. They'll just have text appear on screen. that's just like a floating fragment of the line that they just clipped um yeah but it's the whole movie it's it again it's like i mean i don't i'm not gonna recommend this movie to anyone but it's a very strange choice that i've not seen in a movie before that i can remember yeah um he 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 does like his max landis's direction style is very very kitchen sink like there's he just kind of throws like everything at the wall like he has one scene where he i mean any other like indie director this would have been shot down immediately like there's a scene where you know, the the lead, uh, the main character, Corey and Gabby, are, like, talking on a bed about their feelings or whatever. And, like, it has the bed, like, floating in the air over a green screen, like an eternal sunshine or something. And it's, uh, it's, like, it, that's not, like, indicative of the tone of the movie as a whole. Like, it's just, like, that's just, things just kind of happen. Like, the one character, two characters, actually, have a nightmare about a, uh, about a anthropomorphic, like, walking and talking penis. And... That's just like kind of a thing that happens, and it, mm. it's it's a strange like mishmash. Since this movie is like very very earnestly pro like being yourself and coming out as gay, and then there's just this like kind of like very broad weird comedy like just kind of hanging out in between those scenes. Yeah, it's weird. It feels like in a in a better movie, or if, maybe if 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 the writer and director wasn't named Max Landis, I think maybe a producer would have come and said like, hey, you got to figure out like, do you want this to be a really broad and wacky and like vaguely surreal comedy or do you want this to be like you know a a relatively played straight and you can still be a comedy but like a romantic comedy um and the tone really just like is all over the place and especially like the gabby character pretty much the whole movie is in like the serious version of the movie um yeah but then every time another character like intrudes on what is going on with her it gets much like weirder and wackier like i mean we'll get to the the ending the ending is is really really bad um yeah and for that that's a big reason why i don't uh 
can, can you help me remember because i'm not sure i may be misremembering but when i saw the trailer for this movie i swear they made it seem like there was this asian kid that was going to have like a major role in it <laughs> Like yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah. The reaction, and it was just a reaction shot that they that he's in it for like two seconds in the movie. <laughs> yeah, he's he's in every trailer. They just they loved that shot. I do want to say about the trailer, by the way, because you mentioned this too, Spencer. Um, last November, when I was visiting my friend Perry, who's been on the show before, I think he was on our Suburban Nights episode. So shout out to him. Yeah, I was hanging out with him, uh, and we were just uh, drinking and shooting the shit and just showing each other YouTube videos. And he was like, "Oh wait." you gotta see you gotta see this without telling me what it was and he played me the me him her trailer just to see my reaction when max landis's name popped up and i was like wow that looks like the worst movie of all time um so that yeah. was that has been hanging in my head in the back of my head since then um and yeah there are a lot of weirdly like several different cuts of the trailer for this movie on youtube but the the asian child doing the big home alone face is for some reason in all of them yeah well i'm just i'm just glad that uh He's they the Landis family is still managing to get Asian children on their sets. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, that was the last time that child was seen. <laughs> oh, yeah, he actually, but, yeah, like a stunt, a stunt went wrong on that, like on this rom com. This, this that really would yeah. be like a Landis curse if like uh. I don't know, a piano fell on that kid's head. <laughs> yeah, no, they had like a, they like filmed that shot from a helicopter and it crashed onto <laughs> the kid again. <laughs> no, so the uh, the movie begins with like a fun song, which was like the first like worrying sign that I had. Like it has like a montage of um, fucking, uh, you know, him do it like the, the, the straight guy character, Corey, just, I keep forgetting his name, even though I've said Corey like four times on this, but um he he like goes to la from florida and uh one of the worst fun songs plays and i had to pause the movie to get mad at fucking nate ruiz for writing that horrible song but it is a the whole soundtrack is like every single song is like that marvin gay song by charlie puth like every Mm. single song on it is just like the most dire like uh stomp clap woo uh indie rock music from the 2010s yeah it's all the kind of music that you would hear like vaguely echoing through a mall in 2015 (laughs) yeah yeah it's it's all very very like uh, god it's just like the worst type of uh like whistling uh you know ukulele lumineers type music and it's like plastered over like every single scene like, <laughs> it really they have, is they have an emotional scene and you just hear who yep. <laughs> it's 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 absolutely every scene if you go by the way the soundtrack credits page for this on 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 imdb is so long um and it really does uh drive home how like there is shit over absolutely everything that ever happens in this movie and it's a very like i feel like it's a very first time director affectation to be like yeah i don't really trust my direction to like get the feeling of the scene across so i'm just gonna play some like some music over it yeah and knowing max landis like he could probably get the rights to like anything since like you know money is probably not a concern for him so this was probably just like the music he was regularly listening to oh yeah when he when he made this which that um that just... girls chase boys song that was huge. yeah there's a heim song at the end of the movie <laughs> Yeah, if anyone if anyone's fucking shocked that they were at that like ape fest, like, you know, look at this. Um He really can we just pause to say how awful Max Landis looks? Yeah, he he truly lo- he he's gotten like worse looking over time. He had too. a period like, of looking like um Gary Oldman in the fifth element. Uh, <laughs> he had that haircut. Yeah, he had like like a like a pink or purple mohawk. Yeah. Like I remember that was he would do that all, was like all sorts of rainbow colors in New but he, also had the, he also had the shaving half the head and then like had yep. the other thing flop over. That was like yeah, the arcade fire uh Gary Oldman thing. And then in the Batman pitch video which I watched 5 minutes of, he lo- he looks like a member of the Lumineers. Like what's going on there? <laughs> Yeah, I think he kind of dropped the the like super flamboyant stuff after he got me tooed. I think like, I think he, yeah. he went back to like a more straight edge, no nonsense aesthetic 
Um, yeah, yeah. Probably because people could immediately see that this was like a, you know, they could see through the fucking right. Travis McElroy painted looked, nails shit. Um, he looked like a sun-dried John Landis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, he, he's got like the shaved head, like, uh, like almost kind of... There's a oh, I just saw there's a photo of him for when the allegations came out that it's like him in a Hawaiian shirt. But yeah, now he's got nice. like almost kind of like a young Republican look now. He's got, you know, the shape very... seems to be the move for a lot of people after they yeah. get uh publicly shamed. Yeah. Like shaved head, like tie, just like very like almost like a like a white collar businessman look. Um no, but okay. So there's a oh god, I gotta say. So we gotta talk about the uh, Gabby and her girlfriend. So like the the lesbian girl is introduced by having a having a girlfriend, and you know we we've called the female characters in other Max Landis projects shrill. That was the term that we used to describe them. And to his credit, Gabby is less shrill in this, but it is counterbalanced by heather her girlfriend um what is it is like it's not surprising this movie was made by a rapist is all i'll say like this like the the way she's depicted is like the way abusive boyfriends describe their girlfriends after allegations well she's a nice encapsulation of like the yin and yang of max landis right because she's (laughs) a she's a stone cold manipulator and like yeah. he's obviously writing what he knows when he writes like all her lines about I don't know like her false justifications for breaking up with and like treating uh, the main character like shit. But then at the end she does the sort of like um, uh, oh you're gonna hit a girl who will the police believe like type yeah. Thing. <laughs> so it's his it's him and it's his projection on onto like I don't know women as well. It's very it's sort of a nice little neat nut of like. Yeah his psyche i think it's weird because she is the character is depicted as like comically abusive like absurdly yeah but it's weird because like we talked about like with the tone like she's still depicted as this like extreme kind of like wacky caricature in a way that doesn't match with like what the gabby character is 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 experiencing (laughs) like yeah and she's doing all this edgar wright shit where like the extreme like fisheye close-up of her screaming and, and it's just like it is yeah. so so heightened in a way that like seems to have nothing to do with what she's actually doing or what she has been described to do, which is like just really treating her girlfriend in a really awful way. Yeah, it the um, it's you also get like this nice kind of like dichotomy that was common in nerd misogyny of the time. Like Gabby is very much like a cool girl essentially. She's like the cool you know, pseudo bisexual girl, um, who's like very laid back, you know, obviously she has like her, uh, you know, moments of hysteria in the movie because it wouldn't be a Max Landis movie without it. But, you know, she's like the, she's, uh, the, the, almost like the Carrie from Mythbusters type where like, you know, Heather is like the snotty, think she's better than it all, like hot girl basically. And so like you get the play the two off each other and it's like some of the stuff with Heather is like some of the most hateful and misogynist stuff i've ever seen in a movie it's really impressive common common lesbian stereotype by the way (laughs) like yeah fucking extremely shrill jersey shore character yeah no i i think someone must have told max landis about lesbian domestic abuse statistics (laughs) before he made and he rubbed fucking rubbed his hands together like oh oh, oh." he was like all right now i get the pass to do whatever i want (laughs) it's like someone telling him about cumin it's like Oh, I think you cut out. No, actually, I sort of bailed on that line. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll just cut that. That's fine. <laughs> no, it's yeah. just the, that was just the barren desert. No, no, keep it in. We need to. We need to show them how the sausage is made, folks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, I All just right. realized halfway through the analogy didn't really match. I was just. I was thinking of cooking. It's like he's learning a new spice, but it doesn't. It doesn't fit well enough. So, uh, oh, I also need to say that. Max Landis is writing in this movie, like, it's very difficult to pin down, like, his own style, but I think the the line that's uh, exemplar, like, that kind of encapsulates what his whole deal is, is that the arc words of the movie is uh, the gay friend early on, and then later uh, the straight friend repeats it back to the gay friend, and uh, he says, are you a man or are you yogurt? Which oh, yeah. isn't 
it isn't quite weed and speak. It feels like someone trying to do sweet smell of success and failing. <laughs> That's the best way I can describe it. That yeah. is like, that is odd point, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like uh like you know, Sweet Smell of Success has that great line where fucking Tony Curtis's character shouts at some other sleazy asshole. It's like, yeah, well if I'm funny, you're a pretzel. But it, it, it feels like someone trying to do that like off kilter Clifford Odette's cleverness, but just not really committing to it because he doesn't read. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's definitely someone trying to be like like this is lateral, we're kind of setting we're setting the paradigm here. People are going to like this line so much that it actually becomes its own thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a movie that eight, about uh, 4,600 people saw. So it doesn't really, yeah. doesn't really uh, work. Yeah. Um, yeah. I also got to say uh, uh, the movie, this movie only got a limited release. It, uh, it, it had like a, had a film festival premiere and then a film buff which sounds like a fake company acquired the distribution rights and then it uh it like got a very limited and vod release in 2016 so it it is very much a uh, it is a like it is a mind of jason core movie which i feel like a lot of the stuff we're going to watch this season is going to be stuff you would watch yeah <laughs> um, but no anyways uh the movie follows the very predictable beats that you would expect from this like okay so the gay friends afraid of coming out and the the girl's afraid to commit because she's a lesbian what is it uh you know it, it follows the very similar beats there like uh you know on the on the on the girl side of things you know they hook up which gets like scarily close to just like being a like a date rape scene like the like there's a part where you know they're oh, both very yeah. drunk and making out and then he says like um he says, like, are you really that drunk? And then she said, no, don't worry. And then on uh, on screen, text pop-up says, you're not going to go to jail. Yeah. Very, <laughs> yeah. Uh, <sighs> we, maybe this is the part where we say, by the way, that um, Max Landis was doing Me Too shit on the set of this film. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, no. Uh, um, uh, Mead did, I checked Mead's Wikipedia, the girl uh, actress, and she set up, like, it, there's like a chunk of her like career thing that says she was a big advocate for having like intimacy coordinators on sets after the Weinstein stuff. Yeah. Hmm. So I don't know. Seems uh. like she was maybe uh, I don't know <laughs> inspired by. Yeah. Not surprised me. On this set. That makes a lot yeah. of sense. Max Landis also apparently um, a set customer on the set said that quote he would talk about his penis all the time to me brag about the size of it and yeah you just yeah he was doing me too stuff on the set of this and i the this scene is like if you're going to like don't acknowledge like if you're going to film something that like you know is kind of pushing up on that boundary at the very least you definitely should not acknowledge it but i think that was i don't know that was just kind of the culture i mean maybe he's also paying tribute to his dad <laughs> since his dad notoriously has a scene in animal house where there is a debate as to whether or not date rape should occur so maybe he's a uh, you know maybe he learned a lesson from his father yeah. there but it's a little callback oh uh, no you know, yeah. extending the legacy the landis legacy yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. So many directions uh, you can take the Landis legacy. So many con continuities you can you can take advantage of. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if he had gotten oh. direct, if he had gotten to direct more, who knows what could have what sort of accidents he could have caused. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, he would have like a shitty version of like the Twilight Zone crash. Like he'd have, like he'd he'd like you know his dad crashed a fucking um his dad crashed like a helicopter and killed like six people. I think Max Landis would like crash like. A Volvo or something, or like he, he would like he would like hit someone with a John Deere, and like maybe like someone would like break their femur. He would have he would it. have a, a like a drone camera that would like just fall out of the sky onto Haley Joel Osment's head. <laughs> yeah, just bonk him. A big bump comes up and birds like chirp <laughs> around his head. <laughs> That's his own version of the Twilight Zone incident. Did you no. did you two read the like Max Landis blog post from like last year or the year before? We're gonna at some point, yeah. I think, um, when we get science. to, yeah, where he like denies all the allegations and he like he says like uh, it's called like on the smear campaign against me yeah. or something great, like that. Great, great start. <laughs> yeah. Well, he tie he ties it all in with the helicopter crash, not to amp you up too much. Oh. 
<laughs> Let's go. <laughs> What's like? Is his angle there? Like both of these things didn't happen. <laughs> Which well, his angle tight. is like uh, I've ex- I I saw what public shaming was when I was nine years old, and my father was being shouted at. <laughs> when my father <laughs> murdered children, I learned what public shaming was all about. <laughs> oh man, that's pretty tight. No. So, anyways, uh, you know, plot kind of continues. There's a karaoke scene because it would not be a shitty independent movie <laughs> without a karaoke scene. Yeah. Um, uh, there's a. Oh God! I also need to say that the sex scene, the almost date rape scene, has a song where the lyrics go, and I'm like, I'm not shitting you. The chorus of the song repeats the phrase "only 15" over and over again. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It, like I like the the you know illegal movies dot do the website had like burned in subtitles and uh, they like transcribed the lyrics of the song and I was very unsettled to have to watch that. Anyways, um, so you know they go on uh, you know they go on a date together. She ghosts him at Santa Monica. He has to walk home, and then uh, you know they they reconnect at a uh, you know he chases her down through the parking lot, which is. Again, like, there is so much Me Too shit that happens in this movie. Like, he has to, like, the main character, like, chases her down and screams at her until she gives him, um, gives him her number. And uh, then, you know, it continues as that. And then eventually she comes to terms with the fact that she's not a lesbian and they hook up again and then they start a relationship. Which, there are some amazing balls to make, like, a pro-gay rights movie and then, like, have the second plot of the movie being about turning a lesbian straight yep yeah it's cool <laughs> yeah which and l- it's like l- let's make sure we don't let this slip away this is basically the same plot as chasing amy oh a hundred percent it is literally just like a a more tone death more hyperactive chasing amy basically. maybe it's just a pro sleeping with men movie <laughs> <laughs> that is true <laughs> um but no uh there's also the line that she has in this which uh, Max Landis, you know, it, it would not be a Max Landis project without, like, some, like, one mildly racist moment. And the girl in this movie says, uh, you kiss like a black girl while they're hooking up. And <laughs> yeah, I yeah. thought I misheard that. I didn't go back to I did. I, I went back and turned the subtitles on to make sure I caught it. <laughs> okay, well, I'm yeah. glad that. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's one of those... Uh, the best way I can describe this is that there's, like, certain lines when you're, like, reading something or watching something where... You just like your brain just kind of stops for a second and you're like that can't have just happened. Like yeah. I was reading a uh I was reading a like a profile of the music critic Robert Crisco and uh he tell like they they mentioned like a very very dark anecdote in it that I don't want to get into since it would just not be funny to talk about <laughs> but they just they like read the inter- like that like this kind of horrifying anecdote and then they just like move along in the profile of him and I'm like what it, it really does feel like what like in this movie it was like a fight club like splicing in a penis when that happened just a very like sudden what the fuck is happening here right. <laughs> kind of thing yeah it's like probabilistically surely it's more likely that i misheard that than that was <laughs> yeah. that got through all this all these layers of quality control yeah no there's no way that this happened but that's uh, a Different time, I guess. Um, no one would say no to him. Anyways, uh, the other plot of this movie uh, is that, you know, it's basically, uh, what's his name? Uh, Corey, forgot the name again. Uh, Corey convincing Brendan to come out as gay and accept himself. Since Brendan, you know, he's a Hollywood star. He's afraid to come out since it might ruin his career. And he has to, you know, convince him to come out as gay. And the way they do that, um, you know, he's outed like at a gay club. And then, uh, you know, at first, uh, Corey takes the heat for him. And then, which one of the few, like, uh, one of the few gags in this movie that I, like, chuckled at was when they go to a gay pride parade. And, like, Corey, in order to cover for his actually gay friend, is, like, screaming at the top of his lungs, like, overdoing it, trying to be gay. I don't know why, but that did get, like, a chuckle out of me, I guess. The one, the line that, you know, in the grand tradition of Get Cynical, um, admitting that there is one line in the movie that we liked, um, I did when there's the scene where he is, like, talking to his agents or whatever at the beginning, and they're trying to tell him that he can't come out, and they're being like, you know, oh, I don't have a problem with being gay, whatever, and the uh, Casey Wilson character says, I think even girls can be gay. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. I like Even I like girls that. can be gay. Yeah. yeah that's nice. The- 
um uh my my line like that was when the dad uh Corey's father goes um men don't have best friends no yes that was the men other one i loved best friends and like the <laughs> camera just lingers on him and is like treated very seriously that's nice yeah that was a no the moment the context is even better because it's like, yeah, we knew you were gay because you really wanted to be Brendan's best friend. And boys don't have best friends. <laughs> just like for a solid minute, he's just like, it's just not what they do. Yeah. Boys don't have friends. Yeah, <laughs> that is actually nice. a pretty inspired fucking bit. And credit to uh, Scott Bakula, um, who I thought was Robert Forrester while I was <laughs> watching this. Oh, come on. Um, uh, I don't know. The, the way he's like set up with like the gray hair and everything. He did he remind looks me like... of Robert Forrester. He looks like uh yeah like slightly hydraulic pressed robert forster <laughs> yeah no since it it looks like robert forster near the end of his life when he's like the cleaner and breaking bad that's like i was like did they get robert forster for this that's yeah. fucking insane but um no the anyways uh you know the two plots eventually collide at a uh, at a bar where um uh or like at a red carpet party where after cory kidnaps brendan which you know, is uh, one of the zany antics that happens in the movie. Um, after Corey kidnaps Brendan, uh, they, they like he comes to terms with the fact that he's gay. And then he comes out on the red carpet and, uh, you know, things seem to be going well. You know, Corey, Corey like uh, kisses his love interest, uh, this like sort of beard and flannel looking dude. And then uh, things seem to be going well. But the uh, evil ex, Heather, comes back and Gabby seems to want to forgive her. And what happens next is like the nadir of the movie. It's it's really it's bad. tough because this the, yeah. the setup is again it's so serious. It's like they Gabby has told Corey right yeah Corey earlier in the movie like listen I need like I need someone physically to stop me from going back to her and forgiving her because she has this hold over me that I can't control. Yeah. So he's you know that's what he does at the end. He's like look I need you don't want to do this like this girl was awful. But what happens after that is that the girl has like a fucking like comedy, like YouTube sketch style freak out. And she starts just like attacking him with a sword. Um, and then there's a sword fight in the parking lot and she keeps like trying to beat him up. And I think she tries to taser him and it's all very like silly and it sucks. And it goes on for so long. It goes on for like 10 minutes. <laughs> Yeah, and like some random extra gets like sliced in the face and just drops <laughs> dead, I think. Might have killed someone. Oh yeah, that was cool. Yeah, and yeah, they have like a whole sort which it's sort of like Max Landis's like whole mind, I think, is that um you know, he he can't make even this rom-com without tying in like his own obsessions and interests and he has like a basically like a lightsaber duel at the end of this rom-com yeah. and I can just hear him in the pitching room doing his, like, you know, pitching things. Like, and then imagine this. At the end of a rom-com, it's a lightsaber fight. <laughs> you, know, you know, you lure people in. You get the chicks in the audience to come because they love rom-coms. But the boys in the audience, they stuck around. They'll be rewarded with a lightsaber duel. <laughs> like, I can, I can hear that in his voice, him saying He's making that. the poom sound. Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, boy. That, that really is the biggest example of, like, because this isn't, unlike pretty much everything everything he ever made and then like uh we have some we have some unproduced max landis scripts which we'll talk about at some point um this is yeah. there are no like genre elements in this at all like it's a very straightforward romantic comedy which is so unlike everything else he ever made um yeah so it is like it does feel obligatory like well i'm just gonna do an action scene even if it's a comedy action scene yeah no 100 percent, and it, it does make for some i think that's why like you know, even it has all this like evil stuff in it, and it, it it there's something like kind of fascinating about it. Like, um, I think uh, Felipe Furtado said it best when it's like, you know, that Max Landis like defended the movie by saying that his gay friends liked it, yeah. and that's that's I think the redeeming feature of the movie is is like how just clueless and tone deaf and how weirdly earnest it is. Yeah, I mean, it it is like it is definitely the kind of movie that. You could see, like, if if there was just some, like, queer film festival that was playing this in 2015 and I had no idea who made it, you would come away thinking, like, oh, well, that was, like, stupid and annoying and not very good, but it was, like, not the most offensive thing I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. It's not, like, I got the... the impression... Yeah, go oh, ahead. Sorry. I got the impression that this movie wanted to be about L.A. somehow. 
Like there were a lot yeah. of lines that were yeah. just about like this is where you are, the big smoke. This is LA, baby. It's just like it's the city of dreams. There's just nothing really distinctive in that way about it. There's no like thematically it, it doesn't feel like it's about it, like there's nothing I don't know that distinguishes this city from anything else. It's just I don't know. The the one part that's very uh very landis is um when uh the the gay character says like look LA, you want to stay on the beaten path. You do not want to mess with the other stuff. And that's very, very sheltered Beverly Hills childhood thing to say. Yeah. Like, oh, if you go outside, if you go outside the main areas in Los Angeles, you'll just be straight up killed. Like that was a that was a thing in Chronicle too. Um, which uh, you know, it it is it is funny since I, I got that same warning when I went to LA. Like people will tell me it's like, you know, get scary if you if you go out of, you know, the main areas or whatever, and it's fine. <laughs> Like, it's just like, just yeah. like there's, you know, food trucks and just <laughs> well, like, yeah, people are scared of $4 tacos. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like $4 tacos. Maybe there'll be like some homeless guy smoking crystal meth outside of a 7-Eleven, but like, he's not going to bother you. You know, yeah. he's got, he's got his own thing to do. It's like people, you know, he's... those are the people <laughs> in New York who say that are the people who like live in the Empire State Building. Like, yeah yeah exactly yeah. well you'd have a better reason to say that about new york since esther and i were driving around the main part of new york on a bus and some guy like gave me like a fucking gus spring stare and started kicking my suitcase that's right, that's whereas it. whereas like yeah. in la like i i did not have any problem with anyone there i would just walk for miles with my headphones on and no one would ever fucking bother me yeah. so <laughs> i don't know it is there is this, there is this, uh, there's cultural reputation that if you go outside of like, you know, fucking like, like West Hollywood or Los Feliz or whatever, you'll just get fucking gunned down on the street <laughs> or something. I mean, but I you'll live just in get... a small to mid-size uh, British city, and last time I went out my back door, uh, there was this woman bragging about smoking her friend's crack <laughs> in the street. She's like, yeah. well, you, you want to treat me that way? I'll smoke your crack. Simple as. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure how you're uh, showing, teaching this woman anything. <laughs> no. <laughs> that's tight. Yeah, no, that's great. Yeah. Um, the, 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 I, I remember in Boston, I, had a, I was walking around uh, with my friend and some, like, some guy, I think he was homeless. He might have, he might, I don't know, but he like, walked up to us he got his ipad out he queued up like a beat on his ipad and then started like rapping to us like he started freestyling at us which was a very like that was like a me him her like skit basically <laughs> happening to me in real life um but yeah boston uh boston homeless guys are very cool but anyways uh yeah the, a nice the movie... way to describe uh i don't know an incident of sexual assault is to be like it was like a me <laughs> oh, him God. her skit happens to me in real <laughs> yeah they should have called instead of calling it me too they should have called it getting me him her. <laughs> jesus christ um anyways uh uh no i think nothing else really substantively happens in the plot aside no. from the Haley joel osmond cameo um there's a part also where this is very like this is the most doggedly earnest part of the movie when the gay character after accepting himself in his underwear stands on a cliff and shouts I am me which is like it's the same moment as what happens in everything everywhere all at once. Yeah. <laughs> like it's literally the exact same thing. Oh, did you like that movie? I didn't see it. Uh I thought it was just okay. Uh Esther very much hated I, it. I didn't like nice. it. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought it was just all right. I, um, I, you know, me and my girlfriend went to see it and we we're just like, yeah, that's fine. But, um, so, uh, I think that should do it for the discussion of the movie. There's one other thing I wanted to read after this. Um, I also do want to mention during the sword fight, it, I, I like how it's not a Landis movie without, um, uh, a prop that could cause someone to die. That is also something I wanted to remark upon, yeah. but. Oh, uh, quick, quick uh, thing to add in. Uh, when I was checking uh, the actors' sexualities just to make sure I wasn't completely <laughs> wrong about suspecting everyone and <laughs> it was straight, I googled, is it Emily Mead, her name? Uh, yeah. yeah, Emily yeah. Mead. I typed in Emily Mead, uh, I don't know, relationships or something. And it came up with like one of those fake celebrity gossip sites. And the only thing they had on her is that it's rumored that she dated 50 Cent. So oh, yeah. <laughs> do with that what you will. Um okay. So, uh 
Something I want to read, since we were alerted, we got 10 minutes left, and Esther and I were alerted that the film critic Armand White loved this movie. He, uh, he adored it, and he, uh, he, he called it, he wrote, a, he wrote a piece comparing it to this uh, other gay movie called You're Killing Me, and it was a uh, Fifty Shades of Gay Sex Comedy, is what he called it. And this is, this is very late period, ultra conservative Armand. I think I think this was the weird era where he was writing for both the National Review and Out magazine at the same time. I didn't know he wrote for the National <laughs> Review. That's pretty nice. Yeah. No, he still does. And like oh. it, it's it's very funny since, you know, like the audience of the National Review is all just like fucking like bow tie Republicans. And I don't know how this guy who like like will like criticize every fucking popular movie for not being like ebullient enough. Uh, I don't know how he really slots in with the National Review audience, but... Well, it's because he says uh, that every movie he doesn't like is because of uh, Obama voters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he very much plays to his audience, like his new uh, Buzz Lightyear review. He calls it a, he calls it a grooming movie. <laughs> Which is great, because he is gay. Arvid White is gay. Yeah. But it's like... He's gay? He, he, yeah, he is. Yeah. Every time he encounters something like a conservative culture war issue like this, he seems to just forget that he is gay. So he starts like... Yeah. Lightyear's disgusting homosexual agenda. What is it with people with the surname White and doing that? <laughs> yeah. Blair White okay. and Arvid White. So I um I I wanted to I'd love to see those two link up and do a scene <laughs> together. But um nice. me me and Mer, I want to read his review since it's a very he he thinks Max Landis is one of Hollywood's true talents. So I wanted to read some passages from this and I think we'll find some interesting stuff here. Um uh the word gay originally meant happy. That's still one of its meanings in me him her, a sex comedy <laughs> celebrating the overlap of friendship, love and gender. But in the new horror comedy, You're Killing Me, gay means sarcasm and carnage. <laughs> there's there's something... Uh, Leo, have you read, like, anything by Armand before? Or, like, are you familiar with him, aside from his, like, reputation? Not really. I know a couple of, like, things he said about movies, but that's about it. Hmm. Well, this will be interesting to kind of, like, expose you to him then, since he's got this very, like, weird thing where he's, like selectively moralist i want to say mm -hmm. like he, he he takes like a very strong like more like when he dislikes a movie he takes like a very strong moral tack against it like you know this movie is um like hateful and promoting division or something but then he'll like give a positive review to like the most flagrantly right-wing movie ever made like there was a there was a documentary called uh who killed michael brown that he gave a very positive review to and um which you know no points for guessing what that movie's perspective yeah. is, but <laughs> <laughs> but then like he'll like review like Parasite or something like this is promoting anarchist values and division in this country. What is it? He he skipping ahead. He says, "Here's the problem: the straight filmmaker has made the life and gay affirming movie, he him her, while the gay filmmaker has made the gay victimizing movie. You're killing me." Um and uh then he he goes on to say we need some quote-unquote safe words to protect against this bitchiness and those words are found in landis's title me him her no commas imply compassion spiritual transition that's right <laughs> that's a little that's a little that's tip all... for some writers out there if you ever want to apply compassion and spiritual transition <laughs> is take the commas out yeah mm. Um, there's also, there's also like a common Armand thing where he like, sh he, he has to talk about like the, uh, the, like the topic of the day. Like, you know, nowadays it's like grooming. It used to be Antifa and like January 6th or whatever. It was but, hipsters like, for a very long time. It was hipsters for Sweet. a very long time. But now, now <laughs> he kind of throws in safe words in here, like in scare quotes, which is pretty tight. Yeah. This, um, <laughs> Yeah, no, and he says that uh, easing past sexual confusion, me, him, her embraces all sexual identities. Every single um, one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he says, uh, he says uh, in the Gays Gone Wild series, outrageous behavior was a cheerful sign of liberation, but you're killing me takes a wrong turn. Hanson's shallow worldview crosses a line from John Waters' flouting of social norms to the celebration of sheer stupid violence. Yeah, certainly, um, the ending of Me, Him, Her, I would never call that a celebration of sheer <laughs> stupid violence. Yeah, no. Uh, what is it? And then he like closes the review by saying, I'm just skipping around since a lot of it's talking about the other movie. But um, he says that two gay comedies couldn't be more different. Me, Him, Her, and You're Killing Me are also serious proof that we find our allies where we can. <laughs> 
That's a, I don't know, that's a great way to tie a bow at it. I'm going to see if he put it on any of his, uh, any of his, like, better than, like, year-end lists, since I think that would have been a, okay, no, he didn't, damn. But, no, I love his, uh, I love his perspective on this. He also really liked Chronicle, too, so I think he was very much in the tank for Landis for a while. He, he, I'm oh. finding here, he really did write about it again in another piece. Um, really? Just briefly, sort of at the end of something about a, uh, Sasha Baron Cohen thing from, this is from 2016. Um, mm. He starts this with saying, "In me, him, her, writer, director, Max Landis puts his sense of entitlement to good use." <laughs> uh, son of Hollywood filmmaker John Landis, Max portrays adolescent license, as in his remarkable sci-fi script for Chronicle. Me, him, her knows how Hollywoodians operate, mm. constantly doing yeah. sexual violence to each other. I think is the must be the implication. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. He was also he he Armand took a lot of flack too when like James Toback got me too'd by like. Literally, like, I'm not exaggerating here. It was, like, 300 people, Me Too, James Toback. And he, like, as soon as that news dropped, he published his piece, like, his interview with James Toback and called him one of the bravest American filmmakers. So I think he's got, like, sort of a a bad, like, radar for these Which one guys. was James Toback? I think I know who you're talking about. What did he direct? Like, not... Let me see. I have to look it up. He, like, it's um... nothing big, right? Yeah, he a movie called The Pickup Artist. One called Two Girls and a Guy. One called Black and White. Oh, no. He uh, he was nominated for Academy <laughs> Award. generic titles I've ever heard. For this movie called uh, Bugsy. Yeah, which yeah. Is... This is the guy I was thinking of, James Toback. Yeah. He had a story in, he went to college and he and he, he took like 100 tabs of acid by accident or something. <laughs> he was like tripping <laughs> for a week. <laughs> yeah. Um, he also... He's also... He's, He's self-described as a pickup artist, which is something like a total of, I think, like, seven guys total actually did that. Like, I, I think that was Every mostly just, like... Every photo of him looks like a mugshot. Like, he just... Has <laughs> <a> <laughs> yeah, no, he's got... He looks like a scarier Louis C.K. <laughs> like, he, he's <laughs> he's got it literally, like, Black Lodge punished Louis or something. Like, I, this is how I expected yeah. Louis to look like after he came out of retirement. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, also in this piece, I have to say, Arbid does the thing he loves doing, which is when he just takes a shot at someone that a lot of people like just out of nowhere. He says, unlike yeah. second generation director Sofia Coppola, Landis has a humorous disposition. <laughs> I just, love, just like out <laughs> nice. of nowhere. I need to, yeah. I need to uh, take a swing at Sofia Coppola. Yeah. No, he, he loves just like... You know, he's randomly got, like, his enemy, and then he'll, like, make, like, the most tortured comparison in the world. It's like, unlike the unlike the anarchist shenanigans of Parasite, me, him, her promotes a positive discourse in the gay community. Just some, just one of, just, like, no idea how he got from point A to point B. He also, he brings up the comma thing again. He says, me, him, her, the title <laughs> eschews any punctuation that would separate people. <laughs> that's awesome. Oh, uh, that's pretty tight. Yeah. 395 accusers James Toback had. <laughs> That's insane. No. How? I don't even I don't even know 395 people, man. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. No, it's a uh, it's very Oh, it, his comeback to it also was Toback claimed he was taking medication at the time of the alleged assaults, <laughs> medication that made it biologically impossible for the alleged accusations to occur. He was taking evil pills. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's... What? Was he, like, in the alien sleep chamber while it happened? Is that <laughs> yeah. what he... Like, you don't... You Like, if he... I, I guess he was, like, taking SSRIs or something so he couldn't get hard, but, like, you can still sexually harass people if you, like are on medication. Like, Objection, Your Honor. I roofied myself in 1997. It lasted <laughs> yeah. 10 years. Yeah. There is no way I committed those crimes. Objection, Your Honor. I took the highest dose of LSD in human history uh, <laughs> 30 years ago. Your Honor, I'm pretty, yeah. I think I'm still, still hallucinating right I now. I don't think any of this is Your real. Yeah, yeah. Your Honor, I have been redosing on benzos every single day for the past 15 years, so I have no memory of anything occurring whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> As a matter of fact, I am not entirely sure I am talking to a judge right now. Yeah. Uh, According to Toback, this is after he took the what he claims to be the highest single dose of LSD in history. According to Toback, he lost all fear of death due to this experience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's great. Yeah, it's it's literally it's like 
That guy who made, like, Morrowind or whatever took a bunch of LSD and made this, like, wildly famous and successful video game. And then he just did it and made movies called, like, The Dating Incident or something. It's like, like, that was... <laughs> he is the portrait of Dorian Gray. Like, there's there's a, there's a painting of James Toback that keeps getting more beautiful in his... In his, uh, in his <laughs> it's like the opposite <laughs> of that story. Yeah. Oh, man. Okay. I think that's... Uh... I think that should do it. I, we've touched on me, him, her. Not as bad as I was expecting, despite the, uh, despite the stuff that has aged pretty terribly and the horrible shit that happened on set. It's kind of impressive that this isn't his worst movie. Yeah. Um, um, which, which really makes you dread what's coming, which you know yeah. nothing's probably going to be this good again. Yeah, no, we're just, it's all downhill from here. So I think, yeah, Leo, if anything, as as penance for having tortured you so much, you got off kind of easy here. <laughs> yeah, this wasn't but, so bad. Yeah. All right. I think that's going to do it. Uh, Leo, I don't think you have anything to plug. No, just Sorry everyone for... go to uh, nationofislam.com. We're fundraising. <laughs> uh, Farrakhan needs your help. Yeah. Uh, yeah, my name's Leo, too. Uh, please go... Uh, Beg me to bring back my podcast so nice. I can have Spencer and uh, Cameron Whoa. on again. And uh, yeah, that's going to do it. Uh, hope you had a... Uh, thank you for having me on, Spencer. Leo, I I'd love to be on every single episode you do from now on. Don't you have that's to plug right. your role as um, Mr. Frog on the show Smiling Friends? <laughs> yeah, uh, that was a very big role for me. <laughs> oh, It's character All assassination. Right. I haven't seen Smiling <laughs> Friends, though. No. You should. Yeah. It's pretty oh, good. that show's really good. Yeah, it's really good. It does um, nice. that's gonna yeah, that's gonna do it. Leo, thank you so much for coming on and uh bye-bye. Bye. Thanks everyone.